0: This is Helping of Happiness, episode number 166. Today we're talking to Tanya Christensen, and Tanya has a son who has been diagnosed with MDS, myelodysplastic syndrome, which is a blood cancer, and the way that this can be cured for him is by him getting a bone marrow transplant, and I was so excited to learn how easy it is to be a bone marrow donor. And even to find out how to get into their registry is just as easy as swabbing your cheek and sending in this little lab kit. So we get to learn all about that and how we can learn how to get on that registry and even possibly save some lives. Hi, I'm Hilary Hess and you're listening to A Helping of Happiness. I am a crazy mom of seven kids and at Helping of Happiness, we love to help build up families by providing delicious family recipes Exciting travel guides, and home and family hacks to make life more manageable and more fun. There are a lot of things I am still learning and I'm trying to figure out, and that is why we have this podcast to have our friends come on here and teach us and inspire us to be better and grow closer to Jesus Christ. Hey guys! Well, before we get into our podcast, I just wanted to do a little kind of update on what's been going on with helping of happiness lately. So, just so that you know where you can find us and find a little more content if you're interested. So we've always been really current on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest. So if you want to find our latest content, you can always go there. We've also started a TikTok account. So we've got some videos on there, just a few, but we're building every every week. We're getting more and more on there. And we're also trying to beef up our YouTube channels. You can find us also on YouTube at Helping of Happiness. So those are all the virtual places you can find us. And for the summer, I'm super, super excited to be telling you about we have some in-person stuff going on this summer. We're going to be doing some cooking classes. And I would love it if you live in the Dallas area, if you want to come be part of that. We've got some classes for kids, and we've got some classes for teens, and we've even got one class near the end of the summer for you adult ladies or mamas that want to come. So let me just tell you really quick about what's going to be included in these classes. So these cooking classes are going to be, we're going to have some hands-on cooking demonstrations, some recipe tasting. We'll be giving you a meal planning packet and we'll give you some grocery shopping tips on how to save some money and time in the grocery store. And then we're going to give out some Helping of Happiness aprons, and I'm trying to get some more of those made for you, so if you aren't able to come in person, you can still order one of those aprons and run around your kitchen and be joining us in our happy recipes. And then also included in those courses are going to be a digital mini cookbook. So you can sign up super easy by just going over to our blog, helpingofhappiness.com, and the classes that we have for the month of june are going to be our college meal prep boot camp for teens and that's going to be june 1st 2nd and 3rd from 9 30 to 11:30 30 a.m um and that's going to be super fun it's really kind of getting ready for college all the things they're really going to need to know then we've got another class that we're doing it's on june 9th at 11 to 1 and it's going to be all about learning how to bake different kinds of breads and that's for kids And then on June 14th, this one's going to be super, super fun. We have this. It's called Fancy and Fabulous Milkshakes for Teens. And it's going to be all about how to make these really awesome desserts. It's like a milkshake, and it's stacked with brownies or with little bundt cakes. And it's got whipped cream and all the different sauces and the participants in that class will learn how to make every component of those milkshakes and it's going to be super fun. And then our last one for June, we're going to do a 4th of July treats cooking class at the very end of the month for kids. So go hop on to our website, helpingofhappiness.com and you can sign up for those courses and you can always email me if you have questions. And I want to make sure that you know about our early bird discount right now. If you sign up right now, With And then you grab a friend. You can each get $15 off the class. So this is a really great way to save some money. But also get in the class. And I just think this is so important to be teaching these cooking skills. Especially so we can be a little more self-reliant and independent. And also so we can be keeping our budgets down a little bit. Because with all of the inflation and prices of things going up. It just saves so much money knowing how to cook from home. And it's so much more fun to cook from home when you're cooking yummy things. And it's a really fun way to help gather friends is to do these things as well. So without any further ado, I'm going to introduce you to our friend Tanya. Tanya is one of my friends that I just love and admire so much. And I'm really pleased that you have a minute to spend with us when you've had so much going on. So do you mind just telling us a little bit about you and your family just to kind of get us started? Sure. Yes. Thank you so much for having me too. This is, um, I think I already
1: told you, but it's a really important topic to me, especially right now. So I appreciate it so very much. Um, my name is Tanya and I'm married to Troy and we have been married since 2000. So I guess 22 years this summer. And then we have Nate who's our oldest. He's 20 and he's serving a mission for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's in Croatia right now. He's serving in the Adriatic North mission. So it includes Croatia, Bosnia, Slovenia, Serbia, and Montenegro. And then we have Ella who's a senior. She's 18 and she's graduating this year and going to UVU in Utah in Orem. And then we have Dylan who's our 16 year old and he's just super fun. and I think who we're kind of here to talk a little bit about today.
0: Yes. We're huge Dylan fans at our house. Like even my little kids are obsessed with Dylan. So when they heard that he was sick, it was, it's like been this big family thing that everybody wants to stay up on it. What has been going on with Dylan? And so he's got MBS. Let's explain what that is. I'm going to kind of let you run it. So
1: Dylan was diagnosed with MDS, which is myelodysplastic syndrome. And it is in the category of blood cancers. It's specifically a bone marrow failure where his cells and his bone marrow don't develop into normal, healthy, mature blood cells. They stay immature. It used to be called like pre-leukemia or smoldering leukemia, but now it's in its own category. And there's a different range of MDS they kind of grade it rather than like saying stages, they grade it on risk levels. And unfortunately Dylan is the high risk MDS. And that means that he has some cytogenetic mutations in the cells within his bone marrow that are changing. And what happens is they are, since his bone marrow is making all of these immature cells, bone marrow kind of is it's what they call hypocellular. So there's not as many cells as there should be. And so what happens is it starts turning over and it starts putting out more of those blasts and those blasts just start filling up and filling up. And once you have more than 20% blasts in your bone marrow, then it's considered acute myeloid leukemia, which is a little bit harder to treat. And so we were very lucky to find Dylan Where he is, he is still in the MDS stage of the progression. So we're really lucky that way.
0: So and tell us how it got diagnosed. Like, how did you know that he was sick? This is kind of part of the story that kind of shocked me and surprised me
1: because you didn't see it coming. We really didn't see it coming. He luckily was just going in for oral surgery to have his wisdom teeth removed because he was getting ready to have some orthodontics, orthodontic work. And he was actually born with a craniofacial difference called Pierre Robin, and it is like a one in one million chance of him getting it. So when he was born, they did tons of like genetic testing and chromosomal testing to see if there was anything that was like associated with that. And there wasn't, it was just isolated. His genetics were fine, everything. And so then when his MDS was found, they, I was like, there has to be a link because pediatric MDS is one of the most rare cancers. There's only, it only makes up up about 5% of um, pediatric cancers. And so it was kind of a surprise that we found it, but anyways, so since he had some of that craniofacial differences as a baby, he has to have all of his oral surgery done in a hospital. Mm -hmm. And before you have any surgery done in a hospital, they always just do a workup, a CBC, a complete blood count panel where they just take your blood. They just check and make sure you're good to go. And so they just ran his CBC and it was flagged for very critically low neutrophils, which are the white blood cells in your bone marrow that fight bacteria. And so they just flagged him and we just watched him. And this happened in April of 2021. And we, and the oral surgeon's like, okay, we're not doing oral surgery. You don't have any white blood cells, so we can't be cutting in your mouth and then um, releasing all that bacteria. So we put that on hold and, um, watched his white blood cells because he did have a case of COVID in October of 2020. And so we were like, maybe it's leftover COVID it's a suppressed, you know, um, immune system because of a leftover COVID thing. And then they waited a couple months and they checked and he did have a positive EBV panel. So then they were like, well, maybe mono and COVID you're just kind of stuck oh and it hasn't kicked back on. I know. And then, and then his platelets started to drop below normal and they started low normal, but then they fell into the below normal category. So since two cell lines were affected, they said, let's do the bone marrow biopsy. So we finally did that in December. It, I feel terrible. Cause I was pushing it off. I was like, no, let's just wait. He was totally healthy. He hadn't well, been, sick how old. could you
0: know? I mean, literally he's running around playing basketball and like thriving. It's, it's crazy. It was, it was, it was a little bit
1: of a surprise. And so they, they did the bone marrow biopsy and the cytogenetics pulled up the fact that he did have those mutations in his bone marrow cells. And so they said bone marrow transplant, and really there is no chemotherapy that is, that is, that will work on what he has. And so they go straight into the bone marrow transplant.
0: So that moment when you hear cancer with your kid, are you just, I mean, I can't imagine yeah. It was scary in April
1: of 2021 when his white blood cells were flagged. And cause what do you do? You go straight to Google and you're like, ah, what is this Oh, name? Oh, and Google's the worst. And yeah. It is so mean. Google's the meanest. And especially if you Google like MDS with monosomy seven, which is what Dylan has, it's just not nice. <laughs> it tells you, you, you know, it is really, it's a surprise, especially when you see your six, 15, almost 16 year old, Sun out, like you said, playing basketball and super healthy. And so it was just a little bit, it was it was a bit of a shock. But you kind of just go into this, okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just ready to go. Pediatric MDS is a one in four million chance of happening for a kid. Um, it's a little bit more common in people older, 60 Mm -hmm. years old and older. So his hematologist oncologist was just like. He is just like really bad luck. It doesn't have anything to do (laughs) with his craniofacial, you know, issues. It's just really bad luck. Although we are thankful for those craniofacial issues, because if it wasn't for them, we would have just cut it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we did a a blood panel on Nate
0: when we removed. Yeah. Until it was like way down the line when he'd start showing bad symptoms. Right. And then that's when it's really dangerous to catch it. Right. It is. So how do you find a bone marrow match? How does that work?
1: So the first thing that they'll do is they'll look to siblings. If you have siblings, they'll look to your siblings because your siblings, they look for something called an HLA match because there's a 25% chance of either being a 25% match, a 50% match, or just no match at all. Cause you have two parents. And so you get half of your right. you know, genes from one parent, half of the other. So both parents got we got HLA matched and we were both 50 percent matches. Um, and then the siblings were matched, and they were only half matches to Dylan. And so, so
0: were you able to get Nate tested, even though he's in Croatia? Yeah, that was it's so oh, amazing. Crazy. We had the best people
1: on our side in Croatia that were helping us. There was a member in Croatia. Nate was actually in Bosnia serving at the time. And so he <laughs> Came into Zagreb, Croatia and at the hospital, they have a wonderful program, hospital program in Croatia. So he came into Croatia and he was able to give his blood. And then a member was able to do a lot of the translating and get his blood all the way back home to us. And then they actually did the processing of it here. But the funny thing is, is Nate and Ella are both half matches to Dylan, but they're probably a hundred percent matches to each other. Oh, I know. Oh my since they're half matches, they go to the next step is they go straight to the database. A lot of our cousins were like, "You can use me. I'm a cousin," but you have just as much of a chance as matching with a cousin as you do a total stranger. Okay. And since they already have the process going, they just go straight to the registry. And something that was incredibly rare for Dylan was that he had ten 100% matches in the database. I know it was wow. crazy, and they warned me because I'm actually half Korean, and so they're like. One of the problems with the registry is there's a huge underrepresentation from other ethnicities, you know, like from Asians, from Hispanics, from black community. There's just not as many people who are registered. And so they have a harder time finding a match. Yes. And so Dylan having 10, 10 matches was such a blessing, and he was from Poland, and he's this young guy. Oh, I know. I'm like, who knows? I guess that that uh, Norwegian side on my mama strong and Troy's jeans really came through. Oh. We were so <laughs>
0: happy that that worked out. Wow! So, how soon was it that you knew that he had a match? Was it pretty quick, or did it take a while? We
1: found uh we got a phone call i think like 2 days before christmas from his oncologist and we just happened we happened to have covid at the time sadly so we just did it over zoom and she explained everything to us and as soon as we hung up they just start the whole process she turns it over to the transplant team and they have amazing coordinators who take over and they start the whole process so we're able to give our blood And they start looking at our proteins in our blood so that they can match us with our family. And then as soon as that doesn't match, but it did take a while, I would say, I know that talking to them, they said that the fastest they've been able to do that whole turnaround in an emergency, I think has been about three to four weeks, but that's like, I mean, that's miraculous and maybe a mom or, uh, you know, a family member or something, but they, it usually, it took us. I mean, he finally had his transplant, um, and on April 7th is when he received his cell. So
0: it took, it took months. And it so was- it's yeah. really been like a year that you guys have been going through this. And this is just like the beginning, like you, <laughs> yeah. it's really kind of another year before you're kind of through this thing. Right. I mean, yes, at yeah. Least. exactly.
1: Yeah. It was a crazy year. It was crazy because we would just look at Dylan playing basketball. And we would be like, he looks fine. He looks so he looks like, is this for real? It just doesn't feel
0: like this is really happening.
1: It does. I think it's harder for him too, because he felt fine when you're not feeling well. And then you hear me, I don't know, I shouldn't speak for anybody else, but feeling perfectly fine. And then hearing that, oh, you have to have a bone marrow transplant. You're going to go in to the hospital and have like super strong chemo to totally wipe everything out. And then you're going to come out feeling really Words. bad and when oh, you went yeah. in yeah, like, wait, what's happening, but you know, but he is super, super thankful for it.
0: Yeah. That is crazy. When you, when you go in being sick, you're like, I want this to make me better, Help me feel better. Yeah. Right. It felt kind of backwards it did feel backwards.
1: It felt, it felt really backwards. And we're definitely so thankful for that. And one thing I do want to say too, is Google, it was really mean, but it is wonderful too, because you can get so much information on your own and before. And I would say, I know that you had asked like, what is the hardest part? I would say the hardest, one of the hardest parts besides seeing your child in pain or, you know, sick is, the tests waiting on the test results and just waiting and the information that is probably one of the hardest parts. Cause you have to keep your mind
0: off of the what ifs. And you know, that part is, is probably the hardest the unknown in anything in life is the worst, the waiting yeah. place. Ugh. And there's so much waiting for you guys. Cause it's just test after test after. Yeah. Yeah, That is so hard. Okay. So let's talk just a little bit about what's involved in the bone marrow transplant. Like, is it really painful? Is it like, are they digging in your bones? I mean, I don't, I mean, I feel like I know a little bit more because I've been following you on Instagram and talking to you at basketball and things like this, but I, before that had no clue what this even looks like or how it works. I,
1: I am so glad that you asked that too, because before I was, I mean, I thought you get a drill and you like drill into the bone
0: and, well, and you think of that as being a donor too, like are, yeah. as a donor, are they going right. to like get in my leg and be, I don't know, you know, it is, it is, I think maybe in
1: the past it was a little bit more like that, but, um, we are very lucky to live in this day and age. The bone marrow transplant itself is actually not painful at all, neither for the donor or for the recipient, maybe a little bit more for the donor, but not painful, just maybe a little bit more sore. And then there is some preparation that they go through before, but, but really, I mean, not it's not painful. I should say, take that off the table. So the entire bone marrow transplant process from donation to receiving is not painful. It's actually not an operation. It is just, you get a, it's almost like you just get a bag of blood, like, or a bag of uh, your platelets. It's just hung on the pole and it comes in a bag and you receive it. It goes into your, your blood. And then the little Stem cells. It's a stem cell um, transplant. Actually, they know exactly where to go, and they know exactly what to do, and they know exactly how to get turned on and start going. It's amazing. Our our that body. Is amazing.
0: So, I mean, because when you hear the word transplant, the first thing I think of is like a kidney transplant. Like if you're donating one, you know, and you're living person, right? They're cutting you open. They're taking out your kidney and they're reattaching it to somebody else. You know, otherwise, donation. The thing I think of is when someone is dying and they're taking their harvesting their organs, right? So it's really good information. I feel like to hear that a bone marrow match is not this big risky surgery. You know, this is something that is easy. It's like donating blood with a little bit more, you know, like you were saying, they probably have to take some medicine or what are they like? What are some of the preparations that they would need to do?
1: So that is the. So they'll take some medicine that will help their bone marrow produce some extra bone marrow. Right. And, kind right. Of get going. and that might be the most uncomfortable part because, you know, your bone marrow is full. And so you might be like, oh, this is achy. It's only five days before the actual donation. And there's two ways to actually donate. So there are. Um, one of the most common ways now that they do is peripheral stem cell donation. And that's where you just go sit in a chair. It's almost like dialysis. They take your bone marrow, your blood, it, they'll take it out of the peripheral blood, the, the stem cells that are in your blood. So they'll take your blood out and then it goes into machine and it spins it around and it keeps what it doesn't need. And it puts it back into your other arm. And it's super easy. And you just watch a movie and you're done. And it's uh, usually takes a few hours, depending on the size of the person that you're donating. Right. Right. Donating for a baby versus
0: Maybe. Like a large person.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. And the, the patient's doctor will usually decide what's the best for Dylan's case. He actually did have to have bone marrow. And so his donor, it almost is easier because you go in, you get put asleep, they do take the bone marrow out of your, um, hips and then you do wake up, but you just sleep. And so you just go to sleep and you wake up and it's similar to having a bone marrow biopsy done, which Dylan's done a few of those now. And it really isn't much more pain than, you know, when you wake up, you're like, oh, maybe I just played basketball yesterday, but right. by the next day
0: just he sorry. was
1: back out moving around. So. I think that the hardest part of the donation itself is just that it will take about 20 to 30 hours over a six week period. When you get the call, then you, they do a little workup on, on you. If you're a donor, they'll do a little workup on you and make sure that you're healthy and you're well, <laughs> right. and or I'm you sick. Donate. why
0: don't you go give <laughs> yeah, my stuff to somebody else, else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Donor. but they just want to make sure you'll be okay with it. They're the be the Match registry they're seriously they are the they take care of their donors i mean and they should because we are so grateful and we just appreciate them so much and we know what they're doing and be the match knows what they're doing they're get, giving a chance at a life for somebody so they take care of everything you don't pay a dime the thing that you sacrifice the most besides your life saving bone marrow is time And it's, it's just such a a fantastic, I think, opportunity for anyone who
0: would consider being a bone marrow donor. And then, so while we're talking about being a match, let's just talk about how you find out if you are a match, like how do they, how do they do that?
1: So there's actually a really low chance that you would get a call, but I think it's like 20 to 30%. I can't remember. Okay. I'm making that up. So don't quote me (laughs) on that, but it's really low. There's uh, so many people that have been in their whole life and they they don't get the call. And they are like, Oh man, I feel disappointed. I never got the call, but we're like, no, thank you for being in
0: the registry. You get the credit,
1: you know, for even just being willing. Tell us
0: how to get in the registry. How do you I mean, cause I know this cause they did a drive at the high school, but yeah. Tell us how they figure out.
1: So when we were matched with Dylan and they were checking us, we gave blood. They like give you, you give blood, right? Yes. Or do you do a, a swab? I can't remember. We didn't do a swab. We did the blood for Dylan, but if anyone's going to register, it's just a swab. It's so <laughs> easy. It's easier than getting a COVID test. I mean, and we have
0: all been doing that for two years, so we totally can handle a swab, yeah, right? <laughs>
1: nothing goes in your nose. It's just a little swab. You swab your cheeks and your gums and you put it in an envelope and you send it away. And then they will send something back to you and let you know that you're in the registry. And then one thing that you'll do is you'll get an email, probably actually letting you know that you're in the registry too. And then what an important part that you would want to do is just make sure if you move or if your contact information changes that you just update it in the registry. Mm -hmm. And then if for some reason you do get the call, you still have the option of saying yes or no, you know, maybe your circumstances have changed. Maybe you're, you're, you're pregnant or, you're sick or hopefully not, but you know, your circumstances may change. Maybe you change your mind. You can say no. And if you do say yes, then they tell you everything to do is um, you'll just go in and you'll give some blood first. And then you'll go have a workup and then you'll go give your blood and then you're done. And then there is no contact between the donor and the recipient um, for at least I think in the United States, it's a year. if both parties agree, they right, can, they can find out who they are, but yeah, it's so easy. Oh, it's e- cool. really easy on the donor side. I didn't realize how easy. And I've talked to a few people who said, oh yeah, I donated. And I'm like, of course you did because you're the awesomest person I know. And so I'm not <laughs> surprised that you're also a hero in real life, but, but they only have the best feelings about it and positivity about it. They would recommend it and do it again, 10,000 times. And I cannot tell you what that means to be on this side of it, to hear, you know, it means more than words can say, we, we, we do get to send them a letter now and just say, thank you. We have to keep it so anonymous. So they'll redact anything and to, you know, they'll, um, de-identify us, but how do you say thank you for that? How, how do you put in a, yeah. In a letter, Hey, Thank you so much for taking the time out. I did wonder a lot about the donor that day. Well, as soon as we were matched, I wondered about them. You know, I was like, are you scared? Are you nervous? Why did you sign up? Do you know someone with blood cancer? And then the day Dylan received his stem cells, I was like, is he sore today? What is he doing? Did he go to work? Was he able to go back to work? Does, is he thinking about Dylan? You know, it was, it was a really neat experience because he will be a part of Dylan's life the rest of our life, the rest of his life, you know, and and not and something that's really neat about that is it it makes you realize how connected that we are as God's children on this earth and how we are put here to help each other and to receive love from each other and how connected we just are as humans. So I don't know. It's kind of a cool
0: thing to think about that is it's inspiring and I found out when you're doing all the be the match stuff that I'm too old to donate so I'm so sad so let's talk about the age range a little bit so that people kind of know when they're in the in that green area where it's good to go and when you're gonna have to just spread the word so other people (laughs) maybe sign up yeah so 18 to 40 is
1: their Favorite ages to do it. If you're in the registry already and you're older than 40 and you're the hundred percent match, they will ask you to donate. But in order to sign up 18 to 40, because if you're 40 and then 20 years later they call you, they probably don't want your
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's because you're ever you're still healthy.
1: They're still healthy 60 year olds, but um so 18 to 40 is the best ages because 18, you're legal. And you can yeah. make medical decisions on your own. If you're 16 or 17 and you're still interested, I think you can have a kit mail to your house when you turn 18, the things that you can do if you're over 40 and you want to be involved is you could always donate money, which I mean, I hate to be like, oh yeah, give, give money. But if there, if you, there really is a, a cause that you wanted to put a charity or a money into it's a great one because they do cover the costs hundred percent of the cost for every single donor and for Dylan that included flying over stem cells from Poland the same wow. day that they were given and so, so that money they need that money there's it's yeah. expensive to do things like that and it's important to
0: be able to find yeah. those people around the world
1: yes and you can donate in honor of somebody and they'll notify that person and you could also, if you feel like that's not um, something that you want to do, another amazing thing that you could do for anyone is to just donate blood or platelets, because and or platelets, I guess you kind of do that at the same time, because there's such a shortage. And like Dylan was a hundred percent dependent on blood product and platelets while he was in the hospital, because when you get your bone, bone marrow transplant, you have none of your own to make any. Yeah. And so not only are there, and it it was a full stem cell wing. There were 12 patients on that wing. And there's a lot of patients who need it before they go in and after. And there's a lot of other cancer patients that need blood. And there's a lot of. People with different blood disorders that need blood just to survive, yeah. and accidents that happen every day, and surgeries. Yeah. And so, I think just to donate blood is fantastic. And it's something I didn't, I was always like, I'm going to donate blood in the future, but it's something that hit me this how important, important it is. actually is. Yeah. And that's another sacrifice of time, you know, that's another oh, but then I have to register. I have to make an appointment and I have to actually find a day where I can do it. But it's one of those things that you go on with your day, but somebody else's life has been saved. I mean, you've saved a life by donating blood and
0: platelets. It's pretty fantastic to think about. That is really, really cool. Well, let's talk about the recovery a little bit with Dylan. Um, The hospital stay was just a long time (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. So he's well, and even the prep for the transplant, cause you guys were doing prep even before the transplant happened. So maybe just take us through that process a little bit. Okay. Well, depending
1: on your case, so if depending on your case and how many blasts, if it's an AML, you will have to be in remission before you can go in and start the transplant. So there's a lot of times a period of chemotherapy that you have to do and then you get in remission. Luckily, Dylan didn't have to do that. So he went straight into the hospital, and then they do something called conditioning. And in Dylan's case, he had his neutrophils and his bone marrow was so depleted, <laughs> it, his numbers were already so low that it only took six days of super strong chemotherapy, round the clock, to wipe him to bottom. And then um, after those six days of chemotherapy, they they actually count backwards from that day that you're admitted. So, um, they, when, before they told us, they told us it would be probably about seven to eight days, sometimes nine days of chemotherapy. And depending on what, what you need, sometimes radiation, Dylan didn't need radiation. So that part's conditioning and they count down backwards. So he was day minus six, minus five, minus four. And the day you receive your transplant is day zero. Okay. And then they count up from day zero up to day 100. And from zero to 100 is where they kind of watch you really close and you're very careful and you're in quarantine and you can't eat certain foods. And then after day plus 100, your restrictions open up a little bit more because they feel like your bone marrow has probably engrafted and you should hopefully be making enough white blood cells and red blood cells that you can lift some of those precautions a little bit.
0: And yes. then is it like one of those things where blood's just ready to go whenever you need it? It's not like a liver transplant when it's like, here's the liver. We got to do it to- tonight or tomorrow, or it's not going to, right. So you have that time window at least to play with. Right. That
1: is actually really nice about the bone marrow, which is different from a transplant because a lot of times in another, um, organ transplant, you're waiting for that to come in, but the bone marrow transplant, the donor, hopefully is on board. There has been cases where the bone marrow transplant changes their mind or get sick. And right. then it's right. kind of scary because you have wiped out this person's bone marrow. And so then you're, but they're, they have, they always have backup plans. So they have at the, Oh, that's a problem. That's probably something to mention too. They always have at least two, sometimes three donors Two one good backup and sometimes an, even a third backup. So if something did happen, they would have a backup. And in worst case scenario, they've, they've looked at the siblings and the parent and they could use us as ha- it's called a haplo match when you're a half match. And those, they, they have been successful with half matches too, but they do try to use 100% matches, but Dylan started at day negative six. And that same day they're, they just they put in his central line, which is a double, had a double lumen or two catheters coming out. And it went straight into, uh, one of his large veins, arteries, (laughs) sorry, Mm -hmm. his heart, those
0: those things that go to your heart, (laughs) you know, where it (laughs)
1: delivers. And that's where they take and give meds and his blood. He'll take his blood and get his products. And then at that night, they started the chemo and then it was just like, every three hours, he was just on chemotherapy. Um, the chemotherapy part wasn't bad. He was tired, but they do a really good job at making sure, you know, that they're watching for any side effects and they, they watch for it. The side effects don't kick in until about day seven. And that's about when you get your new stem cells. So mm. that's when he started to feel really sick was about day seven. Um, that was a his day, zero day plus one is when he started to feel really sick, his stem cells. So the donor waits until your day plus zero and they donate and they, if they're local, they'll sometimes come to the hospital or they usually go to a donation center and then they'll bring it over that day. But since he was in Poland, he donated And then Dylan just sat on his day zero until the stem cells came and then they gave him the stem cells. So Dylan actually had two day zeros because by the time they got there and they finished, um, they had to give it another day zero. And then he had a day plus one and then day two and then three.
0: Yeah. So, and then what day, cause you guys are finally home. Yeah. How many days were you in the hospital? Like what day did you get to come home was like day 30 day Day plus 27
1: plus we were day six plus two day zero. So I think we were in like 35 days total, 35 days. It was, it was a long time, but we were the shortest stem cell patient in there. Most of the, we felt kind of guilty because we were in and out before a lot of the patients. And it was, it was just, fast. So we felt so blessed. They told us prepare for six to nine weeks. Um, some of those temple patients have been in a lot longer, but Dylan was in for five weeks and then he got to come home. So, I mean, a huge blessing for us, but also, you know, making us realize that there are, I mean, there's a lot more people to think about and pray about
0: and yeah there's no, that's something that I've loved that you've put on your Instagram is to pray for the other kids on the floor. I think that that was a really great thing to not only just be praying for Dylan, but to be remembering these other people that also need that help. And I, when I saw the video of him walking out of that hospital room that you guys put on Instagram and all the nurses are applauding and I'm just crying. I mean, it's, it's just so amazing that things they can do with this medicine. I just, it's just, Blows my mind. And that was a surprise. I don't
1: know why. I know that they do it for every single stem cell patient, but I just didn't think they were going to do it for us. I don't know why. We were getting out really early that day, too. She's like, You're my earliest patient I've ever gotten out that day. Cause we were packed. We were ready to go. <laughs> we, we are out of here. <laughs> stuff home. We were like, Get Dylan out of here. And so we had, we were on our way out, and one of our favorite nurses, well, they're all our favorite nurses, but she went around, there's a nurse exit that all she went, she was going around and we were like, bye. And she's like, bye. And she had ran out and she was standing there when the doors opened too. We were like, oh my goodness. It was really sweet. It meant a lot. And can I just say, if you are a pediatric oncology nurse, I mean, you are, I'm sorry. I'm going to, seriously, those nurses, I know they are amazing. They cared for my child 24 hours a day with, I mean, they were always happy. They were always kind. They were always nice. They were so positive. And I I credit a huge reason to why Dylan was able to get, I think he grabbed grouchy with one nurse. And that was because she kept waking him up. He wouldn't take his pain medicine. He had a pain pump and he wouldn't do the pain pump because I think it would make him. You know, he he hated throwing up more than anything. And he, she woke him up. It was like two a.m. And she's like, "Why won't you use the pain pump?" And he was like, "I'm sleeping. Like I'm I'm asleep. That's why." And I was like, "Dylan, be nice." But then I was like, "Seriously, let him sleep." But it was was because she was like, "You're gonna regret it." You know, like you got to stay on top of the pain, but. But yes, I adore, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the nurses, the doctors, the techs, the people that would come in and clean our room every single day. I mean, you, you're there for 35 days or longer. So you kind of get to know everyone because the stem cell wing is closed off and there's only a few nurses that come through. So you get to know everyone really well. And the families, they're awesome. They're so amazing and strong and inspiring. It's, it's kind of special to
0: see that part of it. So did you or Troy stay there the whole time? How did you work that out with having him in the hospital and just, cause you still have Ella at home? I mean, it's, you have other kids, so it's not like you can just move into the hospital and you've got to work yeah. and do other things like that. The tricky thing
1: for us with Ella, she's a senior. And so we wanted it we didn't want her to miss out on her senior year. But the great thing is she's a senior and Dylan's our youngest. So he's 16. We don't have any other little kids. There Mm -hmm. were so many kids in the stem cell wing and in, on the oncology floor who have little kids and you can't have, they, especially in the stem cell wing, you can't have anyone younger than six come to see you. That would have been really hard. That would have been so very hard. Dylan had about six surgeries until he was when he was really little and I had little kids at that time and that was hard, but that was chunks of time. And this was like, you know, like we moved in, moved in. So to
0: answer your question, Dill, Troy and I kind of just switched off on days. So what is it like at home now? So now that, cause it's not like we're out of the hospital, he's better. He's good to go. It's still really hard. And I've seen your big, huge stack of pills. He's got to take every day. And <laughs> course, no. that is, that's been tricky
1: for him because in the hospital, you're like, I'm a hospital patient. I have a bed. Maybe I can walk over to my desk. They do not let you out of that stem cell wing. So if you're going to do walk, you're doing a lap, you know, Yeah. at home, you're like not hooked up to anything. Sometimes Dylan forgets that he is making new cells from (laughs) the cellular level up and he has blacked out. He's fainted a couple of times, which is a little bit scary. Sometimes we forget we're like, Oh, we're home yesterday. He wanted to go play basketball. So we went and played basketball indoors to protect his little bald head. And he had so much fun. He felt, he said, I feel like myself again. It's been a while since he kind of felt like himself. And then he came home and threw up for three hours. I felt so bad and so guilty. I was like, I'm sorry, Dylan. But then he said it was worth it. He's like, it was worth it. So how to pace yourself is so hard. Yes. Yes. Especially for this kid who was so active. I couldn't get him to sit still. And I have to remember it's okay. Those long naps are good. You yeah. All well, that
0: healing is taking place. Yeah. Yes. yes yeah. Yeah. Weird.
1: Being home is a little scary in some ways. I'm always like, "Is it clean enough?" We did have to get rid of our dog, so you can have you can have no live plants, and no pets, live animals in the house. So we had to get rid of our Bernadoodle puppy. <laughs> oh, and, and we'll get her back s- in July.
0: But that yeah. must have been such a hard moment when you're
1: it was goodbye to your pets. Yeah, it's you feel bad for them, and then you feel bad for the People who have to watch them. Yes, <laughs> I'm so sorry you have to care for this crazy girl. But and then his last appointment we went to on Wednesday. I I asked if his counts are normal. Can we just please get her early? And they're like no, because even if his counts are normal, he's on a lot of immunosuppressant drugs yeah. to keep his new cells from attacking his own body. That you got to keep those dirty paws out for a hundred days. And so I said, dang it, okay,
0: <laughs> we'll do Damn. that. After. Okay. Now I know his diet is pretty crazy too. That's got to be a huge challenge at home because at the hospital, they just feed him or did he have a feeding tube even for a while? So he-, he had no feeding
1: tube. He luckily okay. did not need one. He is, has always been a pig. Actually, when he was <laughs> born, he had a cleft palate, and they told me they were going to, they didn't even give me a, an option. They were just going to put a feeding tube. And I think it's like standard of care for what the, situation he had and i was like do you see this pig he is eating so no we're not doing a feeding tube and he was fine cuz he is a pig so he did really well there was a few weeks where he didn't eat anything but when you're in the hospital they do something called ptn so they give you all the nutrition that you need through your line so he yeah. had all the proteins fats and carbohydrates that he needed and he didn't lose any weight and so he was fine oh. that way they did they did threaten him if you don't eat you're going to have to um get a feeding tube and so that was enough to kind of and they give him medicine to help him want to eat but as far as the diet they have their own little kitchen that they cook and make sure everything's a low bacteria diet so he can't have anything that would have fungus or bacteria on it like fruits vegetables any any raw anything he could have it at home if we were really careful and made sure we washed it well, but I'm like, no, we're not, I'm not going to take that risk. We can have um, most things cooked. And then as long as we prepare food at home, then he can eat it as we, we just always double check to make sure that it's cooked at the right temperature. He can't have any like medium rare. Everything has to be well done. Like forget it. Lots (laughs) of shoe leather going on. (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly which is how I like it. I'm like, what's wrong? But he yeah, so there's just there's some of that. He can't eat out no restaurant or fast food until day plus 100. So we'll go somewhere really fun after. But other than that, he can he can't drink tap water. He has to have bottled water and
0: he can have any juice or anything that's in a bottle, but just no the bottle things. So no. what about like canned vegetables, things like that, that have been process- processed, he can have that kind of stuff.
1: Yes. As long as it's not the fresh,
0: fresh stuff. But, yeah. yeah. Nothing fresh. Like as long, if he could
1: have like one of those naked smoothies since it's pasteurized, Yeah, but he can't have anything just like a fresh
0: so smoothie, fresh. That Yeah,
1: which is weird. Cause you'd think that you'd want to give him all the whole foods you could give him. It is so it feels so backwards, but it's all a yeah. bacteria thing. Right. Yeah. Yes. We gave him frozen broccoli last night and he's doing okay. So we still
0: find ways surviving. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So what are some tender mercies that you guys have seen things that have really uplifted you? There have been so many, I mean, you cannot
1: deny, I cannot, I have felt the Lord's hand in this so very much. First of all, I would say the fact that we found it when we did in such a random way is such a blessing. And, you know, the whole craniofacial difference thing has always kind of been like, I mean, to us, it's just Dylan. I forget a lot, you know, until maybe someone asks a question and I'm like, oh yeah. But the fact that he had to have his CBC ran before he could have his wisdom teeth out I mean, it probably, we're like, Dylan, your Pierre revenge saved your life. I mean, really it was, that is such a tender mercy. And then the fact that we were in the hospital and we were able to meet Dr. Dickerson, who happens to be one of the MDS kind of like it's her field that she's super interested in was, I mean, that was just so fantastic. Not great that he got COVID. That was kind of right. scary, but amazing. The people that came into our lives become because of it. The people that we met in the hospital, the other families, the fact that there was another boy with this rare d- cancer, blood cancer, that was Dylan's age. I mean, huge blessing for people. of I feel them. alone.
0: Yes. Cause yes. you yeah. do feel so alone. You just not like any of your other friends are walking around with this. It's- yes.
1: Yes. And then me and the mom could be like, they did this today. Did they do that to you? One, you know, this is a little tender mercy when you talk about just like a little blessing from heavenly father, but Dylan turned six was turning 16 on March 31st and they called us and they said, Dylan's admit date. Cause you don't, you don't get to decide it has to, all the stars have to align. You have yeah. to have the donor available. You have to have. Everything has to align. And then when they say go, you just go into the hospital and you get your transplant because it's so dependent on so many different things and puzzle pieces. A bed has to be available. Everything has to be ready. And they called us and we're just waiting to get this happened. You know, we're on pins and needles, checking his blood every day, making sure his levels aren't getting worse. And then we get a call and we're like, Dylan's going in on March 29th and we're going to start chemo on March 30th. And his birthday is March 30th and he was turning 16 on March 30th. So I don't know, like I'm pretty, I did pretty good. I didn't cry a lot, but when that's a lie, I cried a lot, but talking to the <laughs> coordinator and the doctors and the nurses, you know, it's like I did pretty good for some reason. I don't know why, but when she said he had to start chemo on his birthday, I lost it. I was like, what? Because I thought that he was going to be admitted on the 31st and then we could or and then we could get his driver's license on the 30th. I didn't know. I was so sad. I was you just like, wanted man, him to have that I last man.
0: special day before I he's just, like, yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. And I said, I know that. So, so then I just was sobbing to her and then I, she's like, well, let me see what I can do. And I was like, well, if there's any way the donor would just wait one, I, whatever can happen. She's like, no, the donor cannot wait another day. So then I'm just like, dang it. So then I hang up the phone and then I'm like, what did I say? So I called her right back and I was like, Catherine, mind. We will come in on the 29th. Like, what am I talking about? We'll definitely come in on the 29th. And she's like, that's so funny. I just talked to the doctors. We can bring them in on the 31st because since the cells are coming from Poland, we probably wouldn't be able to start them until the seventh anyways, till midnight. So you're fine. And I was like, oh my goodness. So we went in on, he had his birthday on March 30th. We went in that day, got his driver's license. He passed, yay! And then, and then he was admitted the very next day, and we don't have to worry about his driver's license. I don't know. I felt like that was such a tender mercy and and just such a cool little
0: blessing that he could have that normal experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't like something else in his life has to be put off by this thing. At least we can achieve that milestone.
1: It was fun. It was really, really cool. And then, I mean, just so many little, one thing I will say that I've found from this, I've always had a testimony of prayer. I've always, um, felt that it brought me closer to Heavenly father and God. And I will say, I've never, I've always heard people say, thank you for your prayers. I, I could feel your prayers. And I was, I didn't, I was just thought, I thought it was kind of something people say, Oh, thank you for your prayer. I really felt your prayers. I cannot tell you like, the way that I have actually almost physically been able to feel prayers offered, I mean, that was such a special, that has been such a special experience that I've had from the very, very beginning, from the very beginning when people, um, you know, we, we had some family fests and some family prayers, the way that those prayers, I could feel actually feel them has strengthened my testimony of prayer so much. And now when I offer prayers on other people's behalf, I'm like on my knees, like truly thinking and, and offering a, and it's not just a, please be with this person too. Like, I just am so amazed at how, how, in addition to giving life-saving bone marrow to somebody and how that connects you to people that heavenly father gives us another way that we can help and support each other from wherever we are. And that is just through prayer. I've been, I thought that that's been such a special testimony for me in this. And so I think that's pretty
0: special. That is so great. I'm so glad you shared that because I think we can all Benefit from hearing that a little bit, whether we need to humble ourselves and ask her some prayers because we know we need to be filled up, or just knowing that there's maybe somebody we don't know anything else that we can do, we can always say a prayer. So I love that you said that. I think that we've been very blessed,
1: and I feel like our prayers have been answered every single time we've prayed on anything. And I feel so, so blessed in everything. I think that one of the hardest things is to be able to say, I saw a quote, somebody said, I wish I could pull it up right now, but that faith isn't in asking that faith isn't in the miracle it's in the miracle giver. And so remembering that whatever is happening, the faith is in the miracle giver, you know, it's not in what is happening. It is, but then it, it, you know what I mean? What I mean by that. So Our Yes, my prayers, we've been blessed. We've been lucky, I guess, in that way. And I hate to use the word lucky because I feel like it has been blessings, but regardless of what happens, and that's easy for me to say right now, right? But regardless of anything, my faith is strengthened in God, in our father in heaven. You know, I'm sure like, Maybe on the other side, we'll be like, remember when we had to go through that bone marrow transplant, was that you that I was saying that too? Like, remember when on earth, when we had to go through that bone marrow transplant, we thought it was such a big deal. Ha, ha, ha. I don't know. I'm sure that's not going to be quite like that. But I think that when we keep an eternal perspective on things, then it makes some of the harder things that we have
0: to go through on this earth a little bit more bearable. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Oh, you guys have been such good examples. I have one more question for you. That's not even on this list, but how was it with having Nate halfway across the world and then having Dylan here? And I, sorry, I didn't include that before, but I think just me, my missionary just came home a few months ago. I'm about to send another one out next month. You know, I just them not being able to be there. I mean, not only for Dylan, probably really would love the support to be with his brother, but also for Nate. I mean, when you're the one that is away from your family, when your family is going through something this big, it's got to be super hard. How is that? What does that look like for, for you and for your boys?
1: I would say that is one of the number one questions that we get from members of the church and also from all of the medical staff and everybody else is, isn't his what what is his brother gonna do? We had the social worker ask us, do you need me to write a letter to your church and let them know like what is happening? And we were like, he can come home if he wants to. It's not, he's not yeah. um stuck out there. But I think that was tough in the beginning for him. He wasn't sure. He was like, I'm, you know, he's in older brother protective mode. I'm coming. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, the first thing you hear, like, okay, I'm getting on a plane. I gotta go be yeah. with him. Yeah.
1: But then you're like, but then what can I do? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the week, this is another tender mercy, by the way, but the week that we were admitted on that Tuesday, they changed their COVID restrictions up until the Tuesday before we were admitted. I think we were in on Friday, Thursday or Friday. I can't remember. I should know, but it's all big, one big day to me. It's Tuesday of that week. They lifted their COVID restrictions. So before the Tuesday, they could, you could only have two people on the stem cell wing in your room, no matter what. And they had to be the two same people. So it couldn't be like, if I was home and Troy was home, it couldn't be Ella, you know, yeah. it would only and you're have-
0: like, and we have three people. So how is this yeah. going to work? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Or, you know, like, um, so for the past two years, nobody has had any visitors at all on the COVID wing, but that Tuesday they were lifted. And so Ella was able to come visit. That was really fun. And that was really good. But Nate, since he was far away, we were like, he's, you're not going to be able to see him for six weeks. You're going to come home from your mission, but then he's going to be in the hospital and you won't be able to see him anyways. You're going to only be able to talk to him on FaceTime anyways. So if you, if you don't come home, it's not going to be much different than if you do, but we did kind of leave it up to him and how he was feeling. He went through a bit of a low, Mm -hmm. but something that helped him was being part of it. You know, like he was hoping that he was the match. He wanted, like he, that was, he
0: was,
1: yeah, he was like, I'm going to come home this, he's going to take my blood. I'm going to go, you know, like he was ready, but he, he was a 50% match. So he was a little bummed after that, but he, and not because he wanted to come home, but because he wanted to, he wanted to know, heal him. his brother, yeah, yeah. exactly. but he got to be part of it. He was, um, you know, he was, giving his blood there and he was going and doing things and trying to match with his brother so that was really good and then something that was been really fun for Dylan in the hospital is like there were days where Dylan would just stare at the wall it was really sad I know like he I hope he's not mad that I talk about that but he would just not even talk like just kind of stare at the wall and be super Sit, bummed, you know, you're not just feeling bummed
0: well. out. You feel like but you're missing out I with your friends.
1: You. Yeah, yeah. It's just such. A, it's so hard. I mean, you don't feel good. All of it. You can't go anywhere. You're stuck no. there, and you can't eat anything. And you're um. There was especially one period where Dylan was pretty positive the whole time. It was I was surprised, and then there was just one time that he got really. Sad, And that was, that was kind of hard to see, you know, and I'm sure everyone goes through that adults to little kids, but his brother called and even on FaceTime, like he just really wasn't participating, but then Nate just knows how to say the right thing to just, you know, poke at Dylan. And so then he just like lifts up and starts talking. And then I know. So having Nate, um, you know, call in from his mission, every, he was allowed to call in more than once a week, by the way, his mission president gave him. No, that's
0: so good. I think that's So so important.
1: It really was the boost that I think got Dylan out of some low places for a couple of times. And he was in Croatia or, you know, Serbia or not even here, but he was so, so important to part of Dylan's, um, just wellness. I think, and he is coming home August 3rd, so he's coming home a, t- a teeny bit early, um, but I wanted him to come home even earlier, and I was, like, asking for it, but I think August 3rd is is good. It's not too early, and he'll still get to see
0: Dylan, but before he goes off to school, before yeah. he goes to school, yeah. Oh, Tanya, what an experience. I'm, thank you so much for sharing with us. I, I, I'm so glad that we can now have more people know about Be The Match. Is there, so how do they go, do they just get on the Be The Match website? What's the yeah. Just go to
1: be the match.org. It's so easy. And they will walk you through every single step. And really the, don- the sign- the registering process is the easiest part. You just go on, tell- put in your address. They'll send you a kit. You swab your oh cheek, goodness. put it in the mail, and then you, you just don't wait even need to go stop. anywhere.
0: That's
1: yeah. And I-, I think you get like a little sticker or something. <laughs> so <Woohoo! laughs> like you do it, I would say if you do it, or if your child does it or someone, you know, do it, Tell them to go on their social media, whether they're public or whether they're not public and put it out there because it is inspiring and it will make other people do it. And that's, that's so hard for me because I don't like to do things like that, but I've been trying, you mentioned the school thing. They asked if they could use Dylan for the school and it was all the school. And at first I was like, I don't want his picture being used. I don't want, I was just like, no. And then like two seconds later. You know, I was like, okay, you can do whatever you want. I think it's one person to register, yeah. And then- sure, this is you saving know,
0: lives, it's totally yeah, worth it. it yeah. yeah, no, that's so cool. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes so people can just
1: oh, link right so
0: on much. there. I'll have you give me that link and we'll just get that thank you. so they don't even have to go searching, they can just put that right in the show notes. Well, Tanya, thank you so much. This was just thank amazing, amazing, know. amazing. And what day is he on now? 36 one day. 37, 37. Yeah. 36. You're right. <laughs> well, I just, cause I'm like, we're always checking Instagram and my yeah. son who's buddies with Dylan doesn't even have Instagram, but it's like, he's always okay. We got to see he'll hop yeah. on my phone and be able to see what's going One on. One thing that
1: they told us to do is to um, like start a blog or to do Facebook. I was like, I am not going to do Facebook for some reason. I just couldn't do the Facebook. And I was like, I'm not doing a caring bridge. But I think it's part of the whole process. They really, really encouraged us to his transplant team. So I said, We talked, I talked to Dylan and we decided Instagram, if people want to follow, they can. If they don't yeah. want to, they don't have
0: to. And I don't have to type a lot of words. Yeah. No, know. it's just a quick update. A quick no, update. Yeah. But at least on our side, from our family, it's been so good for me to show them what other people go through. Cause My kids have no idea, you know, they think, oh, we just go to the doctor when we have strep, they don't have these big life things, thankfully that we've really had to, to go in. And it's just, I loved even that you showed like a tour of the hospital room. I mean, just little things that it just broadens their minds, you know, it's so good for them to see. And I think it helps them have some sympathy for people that are going through that. And it makes them like, they really realize I really need to pray for my friend. They are really struggling. It's one thing I think to just hear, Oh, they're sick and they're in the hospital and they can't come home. And it's a totally other thing to see what their day looks like and to see what they're going through. And I don't know. So I just really appreciate, even though it probably is sometimes uncomfortable sharing some of those personal things that it's blessed our family. And it feels like we can just jump in this team Dylan and I loved it that Luke was like, we've got to get Dylan t-shirts and I you know, know, that it just is so good for them to have compassion for other people. So I really That's appreciate, so well. oh, I'm sorry that you have to go through these horrible, I, know, like, I, I would never Thank want this on anyone, but I appreciate you sharing your journey because then it can open our hearts in a different way that we didn't have before. Thank you so much. And you guys do have some really big hearts. I love you guys so much. Well, we love you guys too. And so everyone just keep playing for Dylan and thank you. Go be the match. Yes. Donate blood and (laughs) donate blood. (laughs) Thank you so, so much for being with us today. I just really, really think this is such an important topic. And I'm so glad that you guys got to hear Tanya's story and Dylan's story. So, if you haven't remembered, make sure that you go over to helpingofhappiness.com and sign up for those cooking classes. And if you want to, go follow us on TikTok and YouTube, our Instagram and Facebook, if you're not already, and Pinterest. We're just all over the place, and we have so much that we want to share for you that can help you and your family. And if you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love it so, so much if you would give us a rating and a review in your favorite podcast app. Have a really happy day.